know the reason why Christians can be like a deer? You know why that is? You know why we can sing those two songs? What makes those things possible? It's because anyone who is in Christ is a what? It's a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. And in that newness, you are now in fellowship with the Father. You can walk with the Father. You can love the Father in return. He can be more to you than gold and silver. And if you are a believer, a new creation in Christ, then all those words are true. You can say those things. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to continue in Nehemiah this morning. If you have your Bibles, open them to Nehemiah chapter 4. My uh, two-year-old nephew, Jackson Walker Reed, he's, he can speak in complete sentences already. And he has a phrase that he says every time he doesn't want to do anything. You, can say, you ask Jackson, Jackson, are you ready to eat dinner today? Not today, he'll say. Are you ready to go to bed, Jackson? Not today. Are you ready to brush your teeth, Jackson? Not today. The things kids say are funny, yes, but sometimes they're truthful. You know, like my little nephew, I've been trying to say that same thing this week to that little voice that's been whispering lies to me all week. I've been trying to tell that little voice, not today, voice, not today. All week long, I've been trying to do that. You see, for the past two weeks, I... I haven't really been taking care of myself. I haven't gotten much rest. And on Monday, I woke up tired. I, I was drained. I was like a wounded deer just waiting for the enemy to come. And he did. And the enemy really was me. It was an internal war with myself. Sometimes, I don't know if you feel this way, sometimes I feel like I am my own worst enemy. Because I can rip myself apart in my thoughts, in the words that I say about myself to myself. I felt like a loser for being so weak. And you know what the voice said? Yeah, Alex, you are a loser. I felt like giving up. You know what the voice said? Yeah, Alex, you should give up. Why don't you just quit? You can't do it. I did not have at the beginning of the week, the mind for the work. Basically, everything I told you guys last week, I didn't believe. So that's where I'm going. Basically. All that stuff about endurance, persevering. Came Monday morning, I forgot everything I told you guys on Sunday. I did. I didn't believe what I preached. You see, it's, it's always easy to preach truth and just to believe it. It's always easy to preach about endurance than living it out. And for me, it's always easy for me to abandon what I need during my times of need. Always easy for me to do that. What about you? Do you always have a mind to work, 
Do you always have the willpower to endure? Do you have internal battles with yourself, or am I alone, or is it just me? Do you have the little voice that whispers to you? And are you able to say to that voice, not today? Or do you give in? You know, for so long, the, the people in, in, in Nehemiah, they've been, they, they were saying to the external enemies, not today. Sanballat, Tobiah, saying not today to their taunts and their insults. Last week, we, we saw Nehemiah, he, he, he had grown tired of that. He had grown frustrated. And so he prayed that God would come and deal with these men. Nehemiah and the people, as, you, as you, if you remember the sermon, they did not overreact to the taunts. They did not overreact to the verbal assault. They did not stoop to the level of the enemy. Instead, they kept their composure and persevered in the work. The, the text says the people had a mind to work, and they did. They joined the wall to half, it height, to half the height. They continued to persevere in the work. They stood firm. They didn't show any signs of wavering. But as we're going to see this week, today, that strong mind they had to work is beginning to show cracks. The enemy, the voice of the enemy was, enemy was beginning to get to the people. And not only that, but the internal voice, their own issues, their own junk was beginning to come to the surface as well. And so the point here is that it's not just the external stuff you have to look at, but it's also me. What is it inside of me that hinders me? What are my internal battles, my internal issues? And for Nehemiah, how is he going to deal with this? How is he going to respond? So if you have your Bibles, open them to Nehemiah chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. But when Samballot, Tobiah, and the, and the Arabs, and the Andamites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the wall of Jerusalem was going forward, and the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them night and day. In Judah it was said that the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we cannot rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, they will not see, they will not know or see until we come among them and kill them and stop the work. And that, at that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten, and said to us ten times, you must return to us. Amen. Pray with me. Father God, we're coming before your word. We're coming before your truth. And as I pray every week, Father, it's not Alex. It's Jesus. He must receive the glory. And your spirit has to take what is a preach and apply it to the hearts of, of the, your people. And to me, we need the spirit to do his job. For, 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 for I can't make the word go into anyone's heart. I can't. I'm just a man. So I need you, spirit, to come and to do your job, and that is to encourage the people of God by the power of his word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, the first thing we see here is that the enemy's next move to come in and attack the people brought to the surface some of the internal issues within the camp. 
You see, verbal taunts is small compared to someone actually coming to fight you, getting ready to come to do battle with you. That takes things to a different level. And this is what was going on here in Nehemiah. You see, Sambat, Tobiah, and all the other enemies, they, they finally saw that the verbal taunts, was it going to stop them? <laughs> if people continued to work, no matter how many threats they threw at them, they kept working. They would not stop working on the wall. They were going to be pers- persistent and strong in the work. And so the enemy finally realized, you know what, we need to take things up a notch. These Jews, they ain't, they, they're not going to give up. It's time for us to go to the next level. And what you see here is that they were very, very angry now. Very angry. Last week they were just angry. This week they're very angry. Because they know we're failing in our attempts to stop the work. The Jews are going to finish the wall. But we got to do something else that's going to prevent it. It's time for us to intensify things. And so in their anger, they made a decision to actually go and fight against the people. It says they all joined together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. So they were going to resort to violence. Basically, was that what you wanted to do? They were going to resort to violence in order to achieve their goal. And at this point, things don't look too good for the builders. It doesn't. So these were not military folk. They were They were not. They were not trained military folk. They were just common, everyday people coming back, trying to work on the wall. These weren't trained military. They weren't mercenaries. This is regular old folk who have now got to prepare for war, basically, against armies of people. It doesn't look good. And to make things worse, they were actually surrounded by enemies. Surrounded by enemies. You see, Sambalit is from Samaria. It's to the north of Jerusalem. And the, um, the Anamites were in the east. The Arabs were in the south. The Ashadites were in the west. So you got Jerusalem right in the middle of four enemies. Surrounded, basically. What are you going to do? Who are you going to call if you're surrounded by enemies. You're talking about being stuck in a rock in a hard, hard place. They were. And they were feeling the pressure, man. They were feeling the pressure. They were feeling it. If you found out others were plotting against you like this, what would you do to harm you, your family, your kids? What would you do? How would you respond? For so long that the people have, they've been enduring the work. They've been working hard. They've been listening to the verbal attacks. And yet, they still move forward. They did not give up. They had a mind to work. But now that mind, that strong mind was showing weakness. And you know how something sounds really good at first? And then over time, it no longer sounds good anymore? Or is it just me? You get engaged with something because you're excited about it. It sounds so sweet. You feel the vision. You feel the mission. And then the more you walk down that road, you're like, man, what did I get myself into? This is what was happening in Jerusalem. 
Because you remember when they first started, man, yeah, Nehemiah, we're going to do it, man. We're behind you. And now that passion and that excitement was dying. The morale was low, running on empty. The enemy was getting to the people, especially when they finally heard about the rumor that they were coming to attack them. That just sent it down crashing. Now you mean I got to take up arms and fight? I'm tired. I've been working all day long on this wall. Now I got to fight too? Come on, Nehemiah. A brother needs a break. (laughs) No. No break. No break today. They were struggling to say to the enemy, not today. And for Nehemiah, he was now getting ready to see that it wasn't just external issues he had to deal with. Now the people in his camp, his own allies, could be a hindrance to the work because of their own issues, because of their own junk. Just like you and me, you know, we all have those internal battles or internal threats. And internal, the external factors like our enemies you know, whether it's someone's attacking you, someone verbally attacking you, most of the time those external things bring to the surface your own stuff, your own fear, your own insecurity, your own denials, your own belief. This is what will happen in, in Jerusalem. As one commentator says, the external threats fuel the internal discouragement of the people. It brought it to the surface. Last year I went to a... Uh, conference um, at Cove Church. It was uh, a global leadership summit is what it was called. And in one of the talks, the speaker talked about how every person has what he calls a vision cup. A vision cup. Well, there's a cup. I'll just use this cup. Right. Every person has a vision cup. We all do. And, and, and over time, we, every week, all the time, you got to keep that cup filled with the vision. You know why? Because life sometimes drains the vision out of you. Circumstances, hardships, disappointments, failed expectations drains your vision cup. And so you got to continue to fill that cup up because if you don't, the vision dies and you quit. You no longer believe in it. And so your vision cup, is it full, half empty, are completely empty. Are you still excited about this church, this work, this mission, this vision? Has the newness and coolness of the village church finally worn off? Are you finally starting to believe we're just a regular church? And now that it's worn off, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay? Or are you going to bail? What are the things that drains your vision cup? It could be life, it could be business, overcommitment, high expectations, no signs of fruit, your, your own sand ballots and Tobias, your own internal battles. What drains you? What is draining your vision cup? We all know. We all know what we deal with. For many of us, including myself, for me, it's a lot of times the pressure I put on myself, my own internal stuff. we got to grow. We all have to grow and learn to say not today to our unbelief, to our fears, 
to our internal struggles. You've got to learn to say not today. Because if you don't, you're going to operate out of fear. Amen. You're going to live out of, 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 of unbelief. You've got to learn to say not today. And this is what the people are going to learn to do. Beginning in verse 10, it says, All right. And I lost my spot. Just a moment. Okay. In Judah, it was said, The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. This is too much rubble. By ourselves, we are not able to rebuild the wall. When you read that verse, what comes to mind? What are these group of people doing here? Man, they're complaining. Complaining spirit. Oh, the, the burden is too, too hard, Nehemiah. It's too much rubble, too many stones. We, we can't do it by ourselves. We're not going to be able to do it, Nehemiah. Can't you see? You see all of this? It's just too hard. I want to go back home and drink some Kool-Aid where it's easy. What does complaining do? If you're on a job, if you're in school, and you got, if you've got a complainer on your team, what does that person do to the team? Yes, brings the morale down discouragement into the camp complainers everything's a problem nothing ever goes right are you a complainer are you a complainer and what you one author says that these complainers they were actually agreeing with the enemy here because the enemy called them feeble jews and the complainers were, was pretty much falling right into their hands. My feet hurt. I'm too hot. I'm sweaty. Everybody's hot. Everybody's feet hurt. Not just them. They're yours. And so, who you are, do you know enough about yourself to know if you have a complaining spirit? Because if you do, then you must realize what you will bring into this church what you're bringing to the mission, what you bring into your family, what you're going to bring into your projects, you can bring the morale down because all you do is complain about everything. So where are you? Is that your bent? And are you able to say not today to it? Now, I don't know any of your hearts. You know. Are you able to say not today? What do you do when you sense complaining coming? Can you say, get behind me, Satan? I'm not getting, I'm not dealing with that today. Because it, complaining will spread discouragement like wildfire. It will. And you got to know how to deal with it. Second thing we see, internal issue, verse 11. And our enemy said, they would not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. What's the issue here? Fear. Fear of the unknown. Well, I don't know when they're going to come, but I heard they're going to come. They say we're not going to see them when they come, but when they do come, they're going to kill us and stop the work. Well, Nehemiah, I can't live with all this uncertainty. I, gotta, I, I need to leave. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the attack that's going to come. I'm afraid that I don't know when it's going to come. I'm blind, Nehemiah. can't take this. And just like complaining, what does fear do to, camp, do to the camp? What does fear do to the vision, the mission, your family? If you're always afraid, 
You won't do anything. You just stay still. You play it safe. That's my, that's my bent. That's what I bring into the camp, fear. I struggle with it. We all struggle with it. We all have our struggles. Fear of man is a big one for me. Fear of failure, even fear of success. And I have to learn and grow and say not today when I see myself going down that fearful road. Not today. Now, this week, wasn't I didn't do a good job of it in the beginning of the week because I was giving in to it. Now, the question is not perfection. The question is, do you know enough about yourself to know your bent? To know what is your internal issue? Now, I think we all struggle with complaining and fear. Sometimes we struggle with more, a little more, with more, more and more than the other. Which is yours? And how are you dealing with it? How are you dealing with it? Finally, the last thing we see, verse 12. At that time, the Jews who live near them these are the Jews that lived near the enemies, came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. What is that? That's divorce. Divorce that tells you to quit. Divorce that tells you it's too hard. It's just not worth it. It's not worth the move. It ain't worth all that drama. It ain't worth driving over there every day. It's not worth it. From all directions and told us ten times, you must return to us. Basically, many of the workers in Jerusalem came from surrounding cities to work on the wall. And so when the word got out that the enemies were going to come, folks from these cities came to Jerusalem to tell them, they're coming, so you need to come on back home. You need to return to us because the attack is coming. They're going to come. So ten times they pleaded with them to come to avoid the coming danger. Abandon the work. Give up on the work. It ain't worth fighting for. It's not worth putting your life on the line for. Come back home to where it's safe, man. Come back home to where it's easy. You don't have to deal with no enemies. You can sit on the porch. You just come home. It's safe here. It's okay, baby, to give up. Everybody gives up now and then. Come on home. What does the voice tell you when it gets hard, when your marriage gets hard, when your kids are difficult, when the job is difficult, when the church is difficult, when things don't go the way you want it to go? What does the voice tell you? And are you listening to the voice this morning? The voice that tells you, just quit. Flee the danger. Go back to where it's hard. I think we all have that internal alarm clock that goes off when danger approaches. Danger. Danger's coming. Self-protection mode. It comes up. The self-protection mode. You got to run away from the danger. And some of us will. Some will be like, peace, I'm out, man. It's too much for me. At some point... During your time here at the Village Church, you will be tempted to quit, to leave. And to say that won't happen, then you just don't really know enough about yourself. It will happen. And when it comes, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I was there this week. I wanted to go to a place where it was easy. 
And I told Mar, I want to go to a place, I have me be an associate pastor where I can just be, have my one job, and I'm not the main guy, where it's easy. That's where I was this week. But Mark, you know, as he always does for me, he brought me back to my senses. Amen. I praise God for a brother like him. You got to have folks like that that speak truth into your life when you don't believe it. You got to have that. Of course, my wife does the same for me too. Amen. One of my friends told me that she's often tempted to leave the church she now attends to go back to her old church, which she calls the Velvet, the Velvet Ghetto. And, and like her, we all have our own Velvet Ghetto, and sometimes we want to go back there. And what's the Velvet Ghetto? It's easy, comfortable, it's predictable, it's controllable. There's no issues. You know what's coming. It's just safe, man. And for a lot of American Christians... That's what we want. We want a safe gospel, a safe Christianity where we come to church, we do our 10% tithe, or if you're extra spiritual, you do 15 or 20%, then you think Jesus loves you more because of that. <laughs> and then you go on your short-term mission trip during the summer, and then you think, I'm living radical for Jesus because I do that. Is that No. No. Radical for Jesus, it means you get dirty. Short-term mission trip, you're dirty for a week, then you're back to your normal life because you know you're coming back. Getting dirty for Jesus in, in your neighbor's next door. Getting jersey, dirty for Jesus down here in the village, even when it's hard. Getting dirty for Jesus for your family, for your kids, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Not Wanting to life to be easy. I want life to be easy. I wish church planning were easy. I beg Jesus to make it easy. But life isn't easy. And the voice that comes to me wants me to flee to that. Go to a place where it's easy, Alex, where you don't have to struggle, where you don't have to suffer. Is there ever such a place on this side of heaven? No, there's not. Because here's the thing. If you end up leaving this church, if you end up um, breaking up that marriage, if you end up quitting that job, guess what follow you to those other things? What's the common denominator in all those things? You. So your new job, same issues. Your new marriage, same issues. Your new church, same issues. And if you don't deal with them, you're going to quit those two and go on to the next thing and quit that too. You're always going to be a quitter. And at a certain point, you got to realize everything in your life isn't other people. It's the person you see in the mirror every day. Mm-hmm. And are you willing to deal with it? Are you willing to say, not today? Are you? Not today. I'm not giving into that today. Because of Christ lives in me. The Spirit of God lives in me. I don't have to live out of fear. I don't have to have a complaining spirit about everything. Now, I don't have to listen to the voice that tells me to quit. I don't. Nehemiah, it says, he, he prayed. Verse 9, he says, We prayed to our Lord God and set a guard against them night and day. And, and, and what I love about Nehemiah here in this session here is that he stood firm in his faith. If you notice, he didn't fall into complaining. He didn't fall into fear. He didn't listen to the voice. Now, I'm not saying he probably didn't struggle with those things. He goes, hey, he is human just like us. 
Don't think Nehemiah was a mini god that didn't have struggles. All the, all the men and women of the Bible had sin in their life and issues. But you know what? He didn't operate out of fear. Amen. He didn't operate out of complaining. He didn't operate out of uh, uh, a spirit of wanting to quit everything. Instead, he, he lived out of his faith. He stood firm in his faith in Christ, in faith in Jesus, faith in his God. You see, you don't have to make decisions based on fear and complaining. Some of us do. That's how we base all our decisions. I'm afraid, so I don't think I need to do that. Don't live your life making quick decisions out of fear. The challenge, and that's a challenge for a lot of us, how to make decisions that are not based on fear or a complaining spirit. And it takes wisdom to learn how to do that and great discernment and having other people in your life that know you. No, I mean, not know about you, that know you, that you can receive truth from. And they will help you to see the gospel when you can't see it. And so saying no to your complaints and fears and temptation to quit is, is giving it all over to Jesus. And you got to think about these three things. These three things are basically spiritual germs. And what do you do with germs? You want to kill germs. God's word, his people, prayer is sanitizer. And if you ain't using it, your hands are dirty. You read God's word in you. Not just coming to listen to me preach every week. I'm talking about in you money through Saturday. Prayer. We have monthly press service, which I counsel, and I probably shouldn't have. We meet once a month for prayer. We should be here. We have Friday prayer. I think we still have that, don't we, Susan? Whenever people come at 9.30 on Fridays, come and pray. And also, you need other believers in your life. What got me through the week was that when I finally reached out to the brothers and told them, guys, I'm struggling, pray for me. I didn't want to do that. Because it felt like I was being weak, a wimp. But I did it. And guys emailed me and said, we're praying for you, brother. Hang in there, brother. I got phone calls. Hang in there. I'm praying for you. And that helped me. Amen. And we all need that. Amen. You need that. Because there are going to be times, man, when you need others to lift you up. You know, we're not an island unto ourselves. We are a body of Christ. And we need him. We need his people. And... You know, God always has a way of um, reminding me that, hey, I'm using you, Alex. You know, and it happened to me on Friday. I got, um, when I got to the church, I saw one of the neighbors. He was out cutting grass, and something told me, go over and talk to him. Now, I usually don't do that because I'm always afraid to approach people. That's, that's just my personality. But that day, something, the Spirit said, go talk to the guy. So I went over, talked to him. We started talking about, you know, his, you know, he has a young son, and, and he, he's buying the house that he's living in. I told him a little bit about the Wednesday nights that we're going to have at the village. Um, he, he said he was a DJ, and he's going to come over next Wednesday and do some music for us for free. And, and so I was excited about that. And then as the conversation went on, he said, he said I've been, been thinking about this church, and I see y'all got things going on over there. I've been wanting to visit. And he said, before you pulled up, and I saw you, he said, I pray to God that you will come over and talk to me. Oh, and, and when I came over, it confirmed it for him. And I was like, 
God works in mysterious ways, brother. He put it on my heart to come talk to you as soon as I got out of the car. And so that was, again, God encouraging me. And I thank God for that because sometimes you, you feel like you're not making a difference. And God, on Friday, you know, reminded me, Alex, even if you don't see it, even if you can't even taste it, I'm using you. Sometimes it's just to plant seeds, but I'm using you. And he's using you too. Even if you can't see it, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, he's using you in your families, he's using you on your job, your neighborhoods, and your communities. Always go back to that. Remember that. God is able. He's able, and he's willing, and he's going to use his people and take care of his people no matter what you go through. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for um, for who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I also pray, Father, as we prepare to come to the table today, that you will encourage your people and encourage us where we are as we take communion today. Christ, in my prayer. Amen. Call Wayne and Mark up.